Amen. Thank you, Pat. It's, uh, I think you should write it down, Pat. From what I've, I haven't heard it all, and what I've heard, I think you should write it down. I think it's, I think it's fantastic. I just want to share a, a brief, um, I think it would be brief, we'll see, um, encouragement that I've, I've found this week to be very encouraging, and I want to share it with you. And it's in Ephesians chapter 1, if you want to turn to it. If you have your Bibles, um, when Dave uh, returns, I'm sure you'll put something up on the screen. Um, it's been lovely to hear what God thinks of us this morning, isn't it? Um, and I, I want to carry on in that, in that vein. I think that's, that's certainly touched some things in, uh, in what I want to bring this morning. And it's uh, Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to read verse 3. And then I'm going to read verses 15 to 23. So, um, if you're ready, got your Bibles, if you have, or your phones ready. Um, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Amen? Amen. I want to emphasise here that he has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing blessing in the heavenly places. Verse 15, for this reason, this is Paul speaking to the Ephesian church, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we pray, Lord, that these words, we would receive them, Lord, as truth from you, that they would transform our hearts. Lord, that they would awaken new things in our lives. Lord, riches of God that you have deposited in us, that we may leave this hall today, Lord, with new expectations of what you are going to do in us and through us, individually and as a church, in Jesus' name. Amen. So God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Say to the person next to you, God has blessed me with every spiritual blessing. Okay, and make sure you say the word every really, really strongly. Okay, amen. Every spiritual blessing. And these blessings are available to me in Christ. So if you are in Christ then these blessings are available to you. That means if you, have, if you have identified with Jesus on the cross, taken away your sin, and you've seen that and put, Lord, I give you my sin, will you forgive me? Will you wash me? Will you clean me? And as he rose from the dead, so we rise with him as new believers. That's what it means to be in Christ. Amen? 
Amen? So if that's you, every spiritual blessing is mine and is yours. Amen? It's wonderful, isn't it? And this is what he says. He says this, even, um, and he blessed us in the heavenly places. What is this heavenly place um, that he's talking about? And he goes at the end of that passage. It says about how he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the throne room in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age that we are living in, but also in the age to come. In other words, let me give you this. This is the little illustration I thought of. Uh, we would have, at times, children come round our house and I would say to my kids, particularly Ben, he's got this Batman Lego stuff that he's made together, I said, if you don't want that ruined, put it on the bookcase because they cannot reach it. All our blessings are on the bookcase. No one can touch them. They are mine. I'm, I'm, I'm having them, claiming them. They are yours. And no principality or power, spirit, demon, man, angel, human, but whatever, woman, child can steal my blessing because he has given it to me and they are in Christ in heavenly places. And if you go a little bit further down in chapter two, it says that when we believed on him, that um, it says in verse four, chapter two, God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us even when we were dead in our sin, our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. So I'm there as well. You are there in Christ. So we can, we can know that, and here's the other thing here. He um, says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us. He has blessed us, not will bless us. He has blessed us. It is done, past tense, provided by his grace, not by my persuasion. Lord, will you bless me? Oh, you've persuaded me, John. Here is your blessing. He has blessed me. He has blessed me. He has blessed you. Isn't that wonderful? Um, and he has chosen to make available to me his blessing. He has chosen it. It's on his terms, not mine. It's backed up by his promises, not my promises. Thank God. It's not based on my ability to adhere to every bit of holiness or every bit of command because, being honest, I fail at times. And I have a very strong suspicion that everyone in this room does as well because we're not perfected yet. But he has blessed us in Christ in ev um, with every spiritual blessing. And it is the wonderful thing that Paul is praying, says this is the backdrop. Do you know the fullness of how God has blessed you, John? Do you know it? Are you living in it? Are you living it out? Or are you waiting for it? I think sometimes we wait for the blessing that God has already given us and he's waiting for us to live in the blessing he's already given us. And that's the, this is the challenge, I think, in our, in our uh, time, maybe, in our days that we live in. Verse 17, um, let's go to that. Paul then prays and he says, I, I want to pray because I don't think you're getting this because he's saying, I do not cease to give thanks for you remembering you my prayers 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having your eyes, the eyes of your hearts, enlightened or opened, that you may know. And then he says, free what's? He says, I'm going to pray for you because, listen guys, and this is what he's teaching these people, he's saying, he's saying you're just not seeing it. You're not seeing it. I praise God for you. I've praised God for your faith. I praise God for your, for your love, for all these things I see. I praise God, but you still have not yet seen the fullness of what God has given you. And this is, this is uh, so just briefly, I want to just go through these three what's. And the first one is this, having the eyes of our hearts in line that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Have you heard the call? It's interesting when Pat was saying something in her was, was happening. I think the call is not necessarily a, an audible call, though maybe that for some may hear the call, or maybe there's something in us, there's, a, there's something that we know, there's a drawing, there's a stirring, there's a, a recognition that we need something. We've got we to, I've got to know something, I've got to believe something, there's something is stirred. We may not have all the pieces, but there's something there that's causing us to desire something that we do not have. And I believe that that's the call of God. And the call is out in the world. Just chatting to a young man this week and telling him about, have a hope for the future. God loves you. And, and sharing these basic principles and just got a text from someone yesterday saying that he was chanting to the same person. He says, he's telling me that he's received Jesus into his life and he's changing his life. And I'm like, Lord, I want him to hear the call of heaven, not just the words in the head. And, it's, and something in him is stirring him to start to believe. Something in us, when we hear the call, the call that, that we, what does it say? Um, what is the hope to which he has called you? Can I have your... Because when you hear the call, we, get, we have hope, don't we? There's a hope for something to know uh, so much more. There's, uh, there's a calling that says, that causes us, I don't want to live the way of the world anymore. I don't want to trust the way of the world. I don't want to go by the rules of the world, but I, but I want to believe God. And I want to trust him to be the one who leads my life. I want to follow him because he has the standard. I want, that's the call. It's a desire. It's a, it's a recognition of a new way. It's, it's recognising something now more in this life. And when you hear it, this desire is strong. Maybe for some it's like powerful in a moment. Maybe for some incrementally over time. C.S. Lewis says, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. And that's what happens when the call comes, doesn't it? We start to realise there is another world. There's another kingdom. There's another life. There's another blessing, if you like. We see the world like this and then our eyes are opened up. There is more and suddenly we have hope for a better future, a better life. See, it's okay to say it. I hear the call. I am called, I am chosen. I was going to say, say it to the person next to you, but we can't. how many times can we get away with doing that in a sermon? But we have hope, hope for eternity, hope for a better future, as I said, hope for a healed heart, hope for a path prepared by God himself. Do you know this hope? 
Even though it's clouded in our minds, we have a hope that God has already plotted the path and he's leading me in it. This is the hope and God has called us. Are we worried, fearful, anxious about tomorrow? We have our hope in him that overrides all these things. So when Jesus says, cast your care upon him for he cares for you, we can do that because it's in him we find a hope for a better future or a hope that's beyond the worry. We learn to listen to him above every voice. My life is not determined by man. Your life is not determined by man, but by God himself. That's the call. Isn't it wonderful? Hope says there is more. See, all that Jesus did on the cross was enough for us. But God says more. Did you think there's any, any reason why God could come along and say, I've died on the cross, I've taken the sin of the world away, I've poured out my spirit I've you know, risen from the dead, created this opportunity for a new creation in you. I would be happy with that. But he says, no, there's more. That's what the Bible shows me. It's God saying there's more. There's more. If you follow me, there's more. And anyone who's been with the Lord a while will look back and realise one day we thought, well, how blessed we are, but then we realise God brings us into more and we just have a hope for the future. And 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 says, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. We are privileged people, aren't we? What, are the, what is uh, the hope to which he has called us? And then, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? His glorious inheritance, not for the saints, in the saints, that's us. I want to read something that I read from Spurgeon because I think it's just really, really powerful. He says this, Look to the glorious landscapes of rock and hill and dale and mountain. Turn your eye from glassy slope to snowy summit sparkling in the sun. And while you admire all things, remember that God has a costlier work, has costlier works than these. None of these cost the Lord an incarnation and a death. Look, if you will, to all the majestic halls of heaven where the lamps of glory are lit with supernal splendour, but neither angel nor cherubim nor seraphim cost their Lord a bloody sweat. Then look at his people, view his inheritance in the saints, for it is there that the Son of God, taken upon himself, human nature sighed and groaned and sweat great drops of blood and felt the agonies of death. As the Lord looks over all that he has made, he sees nothing that has cost him suffering and death till he comes to his people. Jesus knows what the saints cost him. He estimates that at a rate usual among men, for men say, the price is what it will fetch. And Jesus knows what his people fetched when he redeemed them by giving himself for them. Measured by that standard, God has indeed riches of glory in the inheritance of the saints, in the saints. In other words, you, uh, I think Margaret was saying, you, know, you, you wake up and you look at, the, look at what we have in, in nature, was you, wasn't it, Margaret? You was talking about just, um, and um, even Pat said, she's, first she saw the grass was greener. We, even when we look at this wonderful creation, it did not cost God his life on the cross. But I did, and you did, and he paid it. He paid a greater cost for me than this whole universe. So I'm worth an awful lot of whatever is beyond money. Now, I, I, I know I'm not worthy, and in myself I'm nothing, but God has 
prescribed a cost to me and to you. You are precious to him. More precious than this world. And all creation, we are more precious. He spoke the word, the, the world into being with a word and he said, let there be light, or a number of words. Let there be light and there was light. But for you and me, he came on this earth. Not as some last minute plan, not a backup plan, but pre ordained that that was going to be the case before he even created the world because if, if God is surprised or has to have a backup plan, he's not sovereign and God is sovereign. He knew, he planned it, that through the suffering of his son, he will create a people, a new creation that will be glorifiers of his name and it cost him everything. And I count myself in that number, thank God. And it's nothing to do with me. And it's nothing to do with you. We are precious in his sight. I wonder whether some people still don't really believe that they are. That God has spent everything on you. And this is why I think Paul is saying, do you know how precious we are and how expensive we are? <laughs> He goes on, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? Or as the NIV puts it, um, rather than the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us, the NIV puts the incomparable great power for us who believe. Now, maybe, that, maybe there's some like um, things that come into our mind when we say we've been called to this hope, we've been called to this life, we've been called to follow Jesus, we've been called to be his light, to be his glory, and then we hear, and do you know what it costs God for you to do that? It costs him everything, and what we can probably hear, and maybe the enemy helps to do this, we weigh this sense of how can I live up to such a standard? How can I even conceive to be able to live according to the call of God? How, how can I even conceive to feel as though I can even give God anything that's worth the price that he's paid for me? And then he says, but I want to give you the immeasurable greatness of my power for you. How can we continue in the hope of this great calling? How can we respond to the call of God? How can we do all these things? Because he has given us his power. The same power, there's a song, isn't there? The same power that, uh, that conquered the grave lives in me. All Every spiritual blessing has been poured into me, has been given to me. However it's been done, it's mine. <laughs> now that can come across a bit kind of, it's not from me, it's mine. I didn't, it didn't originate from me, but it's mine. Can you say that? I have to say it now, but you're saying it in your heart. Isn't it a good thing to say? He has given it to me and he's given me the power to be able to live in it, to appropriate it, to stand in it, to follow him in it, to glorify him in it, and to not go back to the things of the world. I was thinking of another word. 
See, he has, it has been provided, it has been poured out, it has been given. Philippians 2, 12, 13, I love this verse. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you first, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. See, the, the Christian life, religion says, look at this wonderful call of hope of God. Look at this wonderful acceptance and treasure you are in God. Look at this wonderful power. Work your way to it. But the Christian says, look at this wonderful love of God and this call of his hope. Look at this wonderful um, treasure that he sees in you. Look at the power of God. Respond to it. Amen? Amen? The Christian life is a life of response. I must respond to God this day. I want to respond to his great love. I want to respond to the power he's given me. I want to respond to the gift that he's put in my heart, that he's growing in me. I want to respond to this grace that is poured over me. I don't want to sit and ask him for it. I want to believe he's given it to me. And so I'm responding because he's given it to me and he's given it to you. What a wonderful gospel. See, we ask not because we believe he, he doesn't want to give it, but as a declaration of our intention that we intend to receive it. He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. That's why, you see, we've got to be careful of forced humility, which is essentially unbelief, where we say, oh, but Lord, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy, Lord. And the Lord says, I died on the cross. I've made you worthy. <laughs> and if you say you're not worthy, you're, you're, you're in uh, conflict, thank you, Jim, with me. Receive it. Force ownership is when we believe it comes from us, and that's just foolishness. That's just foolishness. See, God has blessed us in such a way that he can bring his glory everywhere we go. We are a powerful people. Not the power of this world, but the power that loves our enemies, the power that is willing to lay down our lives for our brethren, the power that is able to stand against the enemy, the power to deny sin, the power to lay hands on people and pray. Pat shared a story the other day. I didn't ask her to share it because I didn't want her to feel obliged, but she shared a story where God, very in the early days, I won't go into details, where she went and prayed for someone who was near dying and God said to her, now... And she got up, obedient, not knowing what she's doing, and prayed for this lady, and she went into peace. And we believe she went to know the Lord. And they met the Lord, didn't they, in that home? Uh, that's about it, isn't it? And the thing is, what's so lovely about having Pat share is that Pat, I, I, I've not seen Pat's book on the bookshop, shop, uh, in the bookshop, you know, Powerful Women of God. But she is powerful, as you are powerful, and I am powerful, not of my own power, because of his power. If we would just believe and maybe take a few risks, trusting God that maybe if we did something, maybe something might happen. We are powerful. We have the power of God, not the power of this world that seeks to um, create dominion and all these kind of things, but a power that releases us for God to glorify himself. The power that can speak a word and God moves. Must confess, I was sharing with this young guy just the, the gospel and there's something in you, but when I heard he was testifying about Jesus, I must confess, I was a little bit surprised. that he was so open to the gospel. We are a treasure people, not that there is any good in us, but God has paid the greatest price to welcome you in. God has poured out his great blessing upon you and in you, and we should receive it with open arms, live in it, run with it, receive more of it. The Bible does say, doesn't it, 
Um, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, anyone to discern what I'm trying to remember? Um, um, be going on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Not that we run out, it's this relationship of continuing in the faith. And we are a special people called by God to hope. To hope, but not to puff us up, but to humbly show the way to Jesus in love, to step into the unknown in quiet faith. To have faith that God will speak to us as we give our ears to him, to trust God for all anxiety, worry and despair, to bring the light of Jesus to the world around us. Um, again, just drawing on what Pat said when the Lord said, stand on this rock. We don't need to persuade people. We don't need to, to get people on our side. God does a lot of the work for us, doesn't he? It's his work. We just respond to him. I guess I'm going to finish there with that encouragement. Do you know, do we know who we are? Are we encouraged by who we are as a people of hope, as a people treasured, as a people who are powerful in God? Because I, I wonder, and for many years I've always had this thought, that the, the, the salvation of souls is, is dependent on the ability or the willingness or the openness of the church to receive them. And, and, and what I'm thinking about that is, is that why does revival tarry? Does it tarry because people are not listening or the church doesn't know who they are? I'll leave that question with you. It's a question. Do we know who we are? I, I want to encourage you this morning. We are a powerful people, and I mean that in the godly sense of the word, that in our humility, true humility, we go where the Lord sends us, we're available to him. We realise we need his help in us to do anything we can but I know that when I read this, every blessing is available to me. Amen? Amen. Amen.